0: Last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Fuck the Pateller.
1: That's old news. You're not a doctor. Draft Jimmy Graham.
0: And. A moment of silence for those that have been crushed and we're moving forward, but we felt like we should honor the dead. Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) And. Did you know that, Nate? Did you know that Dalvin Cook ran a 7273 cone?
0: Yeah, I see it every morning.
1: And. Write it down! You're not writing it down! I wrote your 100 targets down! Write my 10 touchdowns down! Write it down! And he still believes Kevin White's the true number one wide receiver for the Bears. Until further notice! And shut your mouth. That's giving me a chub. And is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show?
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Fantasy underscore Mansion. And tonight, we have a special guest with us, Nathan Powell. You can find him on Twitter at npowellff, host of the Dynasty Tradecast and writer for DLF. What is up, Nathan.
2: What's up, boys? It's going to be a very confusing episode with the Nathans and the Nates. I mean, and also to add to the confusion, we're both Jewish, so, you know, you can't wow. even say, like, Jewish Nate and non-Jewish Nate. It's, you know, uh,
0: flu game and Jew game. Oh, wow. I had no idea that this guy was also a Jew. This is interesting. He's not as outraged, though. No, I thought we all made it apparent and put it in our Twitter handles, but you did not. But I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure,
1: podcast worlds colliding for Matt Kelly on the Sonic Truth Pod today. Former Rotoballer Pod co-host and football diehards Pod co-host with myself, Nathan Powell, in the
2: house. Yes, it's always good to get back on the airwaves with you, Matt. You always uh, challenge uh, me as a podcaster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just like I can never—he just the way he delivers these lines. This <laughs> is just not sincere in what he's saying. <laughs> he does not enjoy this, but we're going to get through it. I know we're going to get through it, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with my two favorite people to podcast with. They just happen to both be named Nathan, which is unbelievable, but we have one who's Nathan Powell. So we'll go by Nathan and Nate Liss, Nate Rabbit. Nate <laughs> Rabbit. God. Nate Rabbit and Rabbit Love it. So let's get started. Let's go to a Buzzard email. Do you have a Buzzard email, Nate?
0: Yeah, we do have a Buzzard email, Matt, and you can contact the show. You can find us at our Twitter, at SonicTruthPod, or reach us through our email, at SonicTruthPod at gmail.com. And as always, the Buzzard message is brought to you by the app Maisie. You can find it in the Apple or the Android App Store. It's a collaborative communication app. It's going to replace your iMessage, your Voxer, which we were talking about off air. I still don't know. I think Nathan Powell might use that. Replace your regular instant message with other people. It's an awesome app. You can log on with your entire team, your entire league, communicate on the side in groups. You can set up a calendar on it, which I did for my league, which is really helpful because people keep asking me, when is the draft coming up? It's very simply put right there where you can see it. Everything is readily available and it's a simple app to use very simple to log on to. Every
1: week, you've explored some new feature of Maisie and started to take advantage of it.
0: I have. And this week, it was the calendar because I'm tired of getting messages about when the draft is coming up. So everybody officially knows when the draft is coming up in my home league. You're tech savvy. You know that? You're (laughs) tech savvy. You really are. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So
1: what's the buzzard message?
0: The buzzard message reads, who is Tim Patrick? Nathan
1: Powell. Why don't you take this? Who's Tim Patrick? I have zero clue who Tim Patrick is. No (laughs) no offense to Patrick. (laughs) This is amazing because Nathan Powell knows a lot of players. Nathan Powell's involved in multiple Debbie leagues. He pays very close attention to all of the rosters around the NFL, has a deep knowledge of NFL wide receivers. He has to. So it says something that Tim Patrick is not on Nathan Powell's radar at all. He wasn't on my radar. Wait, so guys, let me let me step in here. Uh, I thought Tim Patrick was like a fantasy
2: writer <laughs> that you guys were like going to make fun of. And I was oh. like, what is going
1: on? <laughs> oh, he thought Tim Patrick was... The next fantasy football podcast host or writer that we are about to eviscerate on the show. No, Tim Patrick actually does sound like a fantasy football analyst. <laughs> yeah, that's a great name. You can see him on Twitter at Tim Patrick FF. No, actually, he's a wide receiver, and he signed with the Baltimore Ravens as an undrafted free agent out of Utah. The reason why Tim Patrick is interesting is because he stands six foot four, he's two hundred and ten pounds, and he has a ten twenty eighty fourth percentile catch radius. I didn't know who he was. Nate didn't know who he was, and now Nathan doesn't know who he is. But I've done a little bit of research on this guy. Pretty interesting. Not particularly agile, but. The burst score, 127.8, 82nd percentile, 103.8, 79th percentile, height-adjusted speed score. Like, this guy's not a joke athletically. Look at the production. 38.1% Dominator rating at Utah, 74th percentile, above average yards per reception, but he was a very late breakout guy. So, doesn't have the breakout age in his favor, but these other metrics are pretty incredible and those that were watching joe williams at utah mentioned hey check out this tim patrick guy he's standing out on film and i'm sitting here going oh wow this is interesting because this is what we want we want the undrafted free agents to land on those shallow depth charts there's no shallower depth chart in the nfl than the baltimore ravens it's Mike Wallace, who isn't even efficient, and a bunch of guys that are completely unproven from Brashad Perriman to Chris Moore to Michael Campanaro. So if you're an undrafted free agent and you land on that Baltimore Ravens wide receiver core, your agent has done his job. That was the perfect roster for Tim Patrick to land on. So if we're comparing Tim Patrick to other undrafted free agents with athleticism to take shots on in very deep leagues, why not Tim Patrick?
2: Like I said, uh, I didn't know who he was <laughs> 20 minutes ago. So, uh, so here's my take here. Uh, I agree that it's a shallow depth chart, so there's an opportunity to, to buy here. But it has to be the absolute deepest of dynasty leagues to even give him a look. You know, th- 30 roster spot, 32 roster spots. Other than that, this guy is purely a check out the Roto World Wire. You know, middle July, August, see if he's got any us.
1: Yeah, I love that our audience looks to us. For information about these kinds of players like in a way it's a compliment right that the one guy out there who's tracking Tim Patrick is reaching out to the Sonic Truth podcast for more information like that to me was an incredible compliment right Nate
0: yeah I unfortunately I'm gonna have to let him down also because I didn't even think he was a fantasy writer that been when Nathan said it I was like yeah isn't this guy a fantasy writer. Nope. Baltimore Ravens. But I agree with Nathan. He's one of those guys. Deep bench stash. um, Looks like he had a decent year his final year at Utah. But no production. No production before that. 2014,
1: 177 yards. Then he sat out his senior year with an injury and he came back on an injury red shirt the following year. So as a fifth year senior, he posted 711 yards for a Utah team that featured an anemic offense. So this is who Tim Patrick is. If you believe in metrics like breakout age, then you cannot possibly roster Tim Patrick. It would be impossible. Then you can never look at breakout age again. If you add Tim Patrick, then you have disavowed breakout age. You're not allowed to look at it. In fact, if you pick up Tim Patrick, something should automatically trigger on playerprofiler.com where whenever you go to a wide receiver, the breakout age should be pixelated so you can't read it. (laughs)
0: yeah he's an interesting stash but i think that's about where this conversation ends once i saw his stat profile i lost all interest
1: in tim patrick but good luck tim you're on the right team you went from having a 1 in 10 million chance to having a 1 in 100,000 chance of being fantasy relevant. Good luck. Now, a lot of other rookies have a lot better chance of being fantasy relevant. And at this time of year, we get a lot of questions. What's the value of a rookie pick? And We've talked about this on many shows, but I want to talk about something specifically. The value of rookies the following year, particularly those that don't Fire in their first year in the NFL because that's most players. The Stephon Diggs are rare, right? The fifth round pick that has a productive rookie season, that's not common. Most players take time to develop, sometimes three, four, even five years. Look at Julian Edelman. He broke out in his fifth year in the league. So when I talk about the value of rookie picks, generally speaking, in the lead up to the draft, I'm trading a lot of my rookie picks because that's when their value peaks and the seventh pick in the first round has tangible value. Someone can look at that pick, and they can project the exact player they're going to be able to select at that slot, and that makes the pick a lot easier to trade. It's harder to trade the pick before it becomes a tangible player, when it's just conceptual, this idea that I'll have the eighth pick, but I don't know who that would be. And then sometimes you wait to the last minute, try to get... Full value for that pick and you can't get full value and you make the pick you just make the pick so of course there's plenty of my dynasty teams where I make rookie picks I don't trade all my picks it's not a perfect market we also talk about that all the time this is not the stock market you can't just go buy a stock or sell a stock at any point there's not infinite demand for your draft picks and your players that's not how fantasy football dynasty leagues work so if you pick a player If I pick David Njoku, for example, with that late first round pick, this idea that you could just trade for David Njoku and get him from me for 50 cents on the dollar in the middle of the season is just asinine. It's one of the things that I perpetually lament, this idea that you can just acquire rookies and second year players at 50 cents on the dollar because clearly the owner who has rostered that player doesn't know what they have. If a player doesn't fire in year one, he must be worthless. Bail. Like, this mentality drives me insane. What do you think of this idea of the second-year player that doesn't fire in year one? Talk to us about this, Nathan. All right. Well, you bring up a good point with the tight ends because I think the big difference between
2: the players that lose value, 50% of their value become buy lows after year one, and the ones that sustain their value or gain value are their expectations entering year 1. With rookie tight ends especially this class of O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram and David Njoku, I don't think that these guys are expected to do much in their rookie season from a production standpoint. So even if they do have 350 yards and four touchdowns, that's not going to plummet their value to where you can buy him for a mid second round pick in 2018. And the 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 situation where you do see a rookie lose exponential amount of value, it's a guy like Laquan Treadwell, who was drafted at to the top of rookie drafts and had huge expectations for year one, expected to be you know the one A or one B in the Digs wide uh, receiver combination with the Vikings. So, for me, it it really only in situations where people get their production expectations kind of out of whack, that's when the players lose value. But more often than not, the players are gaining value or at least sustaining it. Even a guy like Nelson Aguilar or Rashad Perriman, who did nothing in their first year, they still were relatively, you know, mid to late, you know, sixth to seventh round picks in the following year. So uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of it has to do with expectations entering year one and, uh, you know, how people take that.
1: You shouldn't be afraid to just put David and Joku on your taxi squad and wait. Most of these players don't break out until year two, three, and four. The rookie year breakout is rare. And guess what? Most dynasty owners know this. They've been playing dynasty league football for years. They're not idiots. This idea that you're in a league with 11 marks is exasperating because that's not how it works at all. You pick a player, even a player like Melvin Gordon, who had high expectations in year one, has the least efficient season by an NFL running back in his rookie year. Could you have traded a second round pick to get Melvin Gordon before 2016, Nathan? No, absolutely not. But he was. No, Oh. he was slightly cheaper though. So I mean you, you. Yes, he lost a little bit of value. You he went from an early first round pick and to maybe getting him for a late first round pick. But that's Melvin Gordon with the highest of expectations, having the worst season from an efficiency standpoint you could have possibly imagined. Even Nelson Aguilar, as you mentioned, retained value after a completely underwhelming rookie year. It took two seasons of Nelson Aguilar receiving a significant snap share and doing nothing with it to finally tank his fantasy value. So you can feel free to hold on to these rookies into year two with confidence and not ever feel like you have to bail on them early To cut your losses, you're better off waiting. Look at Devontae Adams. If you waited two years on Devontae Adams, you got a payoff in year three. And Nate Liss recently tweeted that he thinks Nelson
0: Aguilar could be this year's Devontae Adams. You actually tweeted that. Defend your tweet, Nate. First off, there's like three tweets there, and that's highly out of context. But I'm going to step into the batter's box anyways. So the deal with the Nelson Aguilar thing, and this goes back to a point I wanted to make after Nathan brought it up. For the savvy, intelligent dynasty owners that care about draft capital, when a guy like Nelson Aguilar doesn't fire in the first two years, and then all of a sudden some buzz comes up about how he looks good in practice or or whatever else, you think back to the fact that he was a first-round drafted player, that he was good in college, and all of a sudden that hype builds and you go, okay, is it going to happen now?
1: It doesn't take much. All it takes is... Is one Roto World blurb to reinflate that player's fantasy value. Just look at Austin Safarian Jenkins. One article written on ESPN about how he got sober and he got his life back on track and he's in the best shape of his life. And suddenly,
0: Austin Zafarian Jenkins' dynasty stock is right back to where it was a year ago. I'm just saying, we're not doing this with third-round guys. You're looking at this draft capital. But in terms of the Nelson Aguilar thing, I I don't totally hate Nelson Aguilar, and I never did. I realize he's been very unproductive the first two years. And I think a lot of it for him has been mental, more than some of these other guys that seem like they're just not out on the field trying. Or you hear that they're not working hard in the offseason. I've never heard that about Nelson Aguilar. I've just seen him on the field with the drops, with the concentration issues, with the route issues, with everything, the communication-related stuff hasn't worked in his favor. Now, that team is loaded in the wide receiver core, so it's troubling what the target share will be for him, but I'm not totally out on Aguilar, and like someone else had tweeted to me when I started to make that chain of tweets – It may be better for Aguilar in his next situation rather than Philly, and maybe that's true, but he's, again, one of these guys that I mentioned in the post that I'm rostering on deeper rosters. I'm not holding on to him on a team that's got 24 spots, 25 spots. But you're still believing. That's the beauty of it. You're still
1: believing. Why? Because he was a first-round pick two years ago. So as long as you're drafting players in the first round that have that high draft capital, and you're not taking crazy swings on later-round draft picks... That guy will retain value. You will be able to find a Nate Liss two years from now who's willing to take a chance on a guy if he flashes in spring training and he thinks, okay, this guy is going to be a year three breakout. He's struggled to pick up the nuances of the position. That's normal. I'm betting on the year three breakout from the former first-round pick. Nathan Powell, for example. I bet Nathan Powell would take Laquan Treadwell over Adam Thielen. Would you not, Nathan? I I would. I I would be scared to do so, but after one year uh, removed
2: from being a first-round pick, I'm I'm just not going to take what i saw from Thielen. i'm not going to take him over treadwell quite yet but i will say if if we're going to play the safe game i'll say okay if you want the safer option it's Thielen. but the upside is much higher with treadwell being a first round pick
1: right but it is safer to make sure that in this late first round a lot of us are drafting pick 9 10 11 12 because our fantasy teams win every year well unless you're nathan powell and you're chasing youth perpetually (laughs) and always finishing in last place always trying to take the next ezekiel elliott thanks for coming on nathan (laughs) yeah For the rest of us that actually care about winning, we tend to have late first round picks. And this year, we struggled to trade that first round pick. We were pounding the table to trade late first round picks. But the problem was so many people listen to this show now. (laughs) The the market for my late first round picks dried up because I'm telling everybody, do not trade for late first round picks. If you have a late first round pick, trade it away suddenly everyone's listening to the show and no one wants my late first round pick. I mean, I'm sabotaging myself with such a popular podcast.
2: Well, Matt, I'll counter with this Uh, around, you know, the middle of the off season, it came to the point where there was the, the big six and the huge drop off after the six. And when that came to fruition, I ended up going out and buying those picks in the seven to 12 range because people like you were screaming to sell those late first round picks because People talked about this class being the greatest class ever, how it had all this talent. And then, like, eight months later, like, oh, well, maybe it's kind of good. It's got six good players.
1: Maybe it's actually not good at all. Or or maybe you're just wrong.
2: Um, (laughs) So, um, for for me, when people make panic moves of, you know, going from, oh, it's the greatest class ever to, oh, it really only has this many good players, then... I'm going to buy on that panic, and that's how I
1: think I do well in Dynasty Leagues. You do do well eventually after a few years, but this is a great point because he's not afraid to acquire those late first-round picks. And what we were saying was don't trade your late first-round picks for $0.80 on the dollar. Trade them for full value or push the button on players with incredible ceilings, ideally drafted in the first round. That way they will retain the maximum value heading into year two and year three, just in case they don't fire in year one. And that's the game that Nathan Powell is playing. He's acquiring multiple first round picks, and he knows that they're going to retain their value. In my book, The Dynasty Dominator, go to playerprofiler.com forward slash guides and get The Dynasty Dominator. I reference work by Ryan McDowell from DLF where he looked at the value of picks and the average player drafted gained value heading into year two. So you should be acquiring draft picks if they're available at a discount and then you should be holding them. And the
0: last thing you should be doing is trading them during the rookie season. Would you agree with that, Nathan? Absolutely. I'm not a fan of yeah trading anybody in their rookie season. I think that, and this is the point I wanted to make. I think that specifically with receivers, 2014's draft class really screwed up a lot of people's mentality on on the breakout of a wide receiver. Typically, you're not going to get the production that you got out of these guys that showed up in 2014. And even with Laquan Treadwell, who is a talented player, he didn't have a good year one in a. And an offense that has a lot of room for somebody to break out. Really? They drafted him highly. Sure. I mean, you've got Stephon Diggs who had a good year. Sam Bradford a quarterback? Really? It doesn't matter who's a quarterback. That's not the final answer. I mean, I'm not going to. What are you
1: talking about? That's not the final answer. That's the problem with that offense. It's a problem with Laquan Treadwell.
0: is that his ceiling is limited by the quarterback play. Well, he didn't do anything. So I don't know if it's necessarily all on the quarterback. I mean, nothing happened at all. Have you seen the gifs
1: of Stephon Diggs in minicamp? Stephon Diggs is one of the best route runners in the NFL and has some of the best hands in the league. He looks a lot like fast Antonio Brown to me. So the idea that Laquan Treadwell will ever supplant Stephon Diggs is pure fiction. So now we're talking about the number two receiver in a Sam Bradford or Teddy Bridgewater offense. Get the hell out of here. Both Teddy Bridgewater
2: and Sam Bradford are free agents after this season. And as as we say every year, next year's quarterback class is loaded.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. It could be the uh, Sam Darnold offense next year. That might be interesting. They could go from
0: Sam Bradford to Sam Darnold. Anyways, the point is, I'm just saying, no, I wouldn't sell – in the first year, if a guy's not hitting, because some guys just don't necessarily hit in year one. A lot of guys have turned it around in the next year, had better seasons. Like Pierre Garcon, for instance, his first year in the league, he didn't do a whole lot. Next year, he had about 47 catches, broke out a little bit. So if you would have given him the Brashad Perryman, the Kevin White, whatever treatment, and traded him away because they were hurt or you didn't believe in him or you thought they were a bust, well, hey, you just missed out on a guy that's had 100 receptions, 80 receptions, 70, you know, year over year, a, a good. Point Player in the league versus maybe trading him away for a pick that you spent later on a guy that was a complete bust because you wanted another rookie pick.
1: Oh, let me be clear. You can't trade Laquan Treadwell if you own him. If I owned either Laquan Treadwell or Kevin White, hell if I'm trading them. I'm riding this fucker out. (laughs) Right. No way I'm trading them now at a low point. I'm at least giving them a full season of healthy opportunity before I make my final judgment and either release them or trade them for what consensus will pay. Absolutely not. Now, when you look across the league, most of these players that have not fired, that had high expectations, talk about someone like Josh Doxson. I own Josh Doxson in multiple leagues. I'm not trading him because his value has diminished slightly, but not much. I'm a believer in Doxson. I mean, how many shows did we do focused on Josh Doxson last year? And there's been hundreds of targets vacated in Washington. I want to see what's going to happen. I'm not trading Josh Doxson now. That would mean I have zero conviction in any player that I analyze if I'm trading Josh Doxson now on a prolific offense with hundreds of targets vacated the last player you should be thinking about trading away is Josh Doxson let's see what we have here he has a 95th percentile catch radius is one of the most dominant and productive college-wide receivers we've ever seen let's see what we have with Josh Doxson now I can't say the same for Brashad Perriman because somehow Brashad Perriman's value has shot past Josh Doxson and Brashad Perriman was not the same prospect that Josh Doxon is. I think we would all agree, all three of us, that Josh Doxon coming out of TCU was a better prospect than Brashad Perriman. Would you all agree? Agreed. Yeah, of course. And now Brashad Perriman has an additional year of non-production on his resume compared to Josh Doxon, which is an indictment. Yet, Brashad Perriman's value is the equal, if not higher, of Josh Doxson at this very moment. So if there was a player that I would happily trade away, even though he has not had an opportunity to prove anything yet in the NFL, it would be Brashad Perriman because his value has strangely stabilized. He's lost very little value. He's still going for a first-round pick in Dynasty Leagues, and it's been two years He's the perfect example of the first-round wide receiver who is insulated from a value decline. It's unbelievable. And he's not even tethered to a good quarterback. His quarterback's Joe Flacco. He's in the Joe Flacco offense with very little NFL production the last two years, and we're still buying him for a first-round pick in Dynasty. That is a mystery to me. So that's the one example of all of these exciting first-round players that have yet to fire in the first couple years that I would say, yep, I'm okay cutting my losses on this one.
2: I will go about trying to solve uh, your mystery between the Dachshund and, and Paraman comparison, and the difference is that in the Red Redskins offense, you have Jordan Reed, you have uh, Jameson Crowder, and Terrell Pryor, whereas in the Ravens offense, it's Mike Wallace and nothing, so people just see the, the amount of possible target opportunity, high target ceiling for Perriman, I think that's why Uh, he may be more expensive than Docton at this time.
1: That's right. I think they see this puzzle piece in the offense with Steve Smith gone, and they feel like the one-for-one replacement for Steve Smith is on the roster and is Brashad Perriman. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But I'll go ahead and take the first-round pick to give you the opportunity to see if Brashad Perriman is big Steve Smith. How about that?
0: And the other thing with the Brashad Perriman take, we were talking about this off-air. But Rashad Perryman and Kevin White—is it Perryman or Perriman? How are we gonna do this again? I don't know. Can I? Can... <laughs> I think I think I think it's Peryman. I think it's paraman, not Perryman. I was—he got a little—he got a little scratchy there. I couldn't hear him. I think he said Perryman. So no, it's Paraman. It's not Perryman. And also, your voice sounds terrible. There's That's not true. We're going to move past this. I just want to make this point. This, is, this happens every week. Week over week, I try and tiptoe and sidestep the charge of Matt Kelly. The, the point I wanted to make is, with Nelson Aguilar, though all these guys were highly drafted... Not, is it Aguilar or Aguilar? Oh, my <laughs> yes, God. Right. Not many... Isn't it Aguilar? Why are you making his name end in an AR? Not many picks apart. The problem with <laughs> Nelson A is that he killed himself by underperforming on the field. He killed himself? (laughs) Where Rashad Perryman... I did not see that on Roto World. They're not quick to the updates. I'm all over that. They're very quick. You're saying that Roto World's not quick
1: with their updates? What the hell? That's slandering the most highly respected fantasy news sites in the industry. The most well-respected fantasy news site in the industry, the venerated Roto World. You're saying they're not... A real-time
0: news service? I, I don't even know how I'm supposed to get back on track with what I was saying. But the point was that Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar.
1: Aguilar. It's O-R. Isn't it O-R? Look, I'm, how do you say it, Nathan? I,
0: I say or. You know what? Why don't you guys just do a <laughs> podcast together again, all right? a fucking spelling bee podcast the point is that agalore hurt himself by underperforming on the field where we haven't seen paramen necessarily do anything yet where he could be a total bust but because you haven't seen it and the hype is there and the devoid of targets he gets that buzz that agalore has totally lost
1: this is the let's make a deal corollary where what's in the box has more value than what you already know you could get on the stage You've seen Nelson Aguilar on the stage with an 80% snap share giving you nothing. You don't know what's in the box with Brashad Perriman, and there's something intoxicating about that. There's something alluring, and that's why you can get Nelson Aguilar for a third-round pick in Dynasty, but you have to spend a first-round pick to get Brashad Perriman. We're talking about breakout receivers. We should do a game. The veteran wide receiver off game was very popular last week, so I think we should do another game this week. But this time, each of us will pick a breakout wide receiver, a receiver in his second year or beyond who has yet to crack the top 30 wide receivers in fantasy football. So looking at fantasy points per game for a season, Has this player ever finished inside the top 30? If not, he qualifies as a player who is yet to break out. We'll alternate. We'll go Nathan first, then Nate, then Matt Kelly, because I am the reigning champion from last week. I know the Twitter audience voted for Nate List, but let's be honest. I win all the polls. And if you pick Mohamed Sanu in any game, doesn't matter what the category is, if you pick Mohamed Sanu, it's an automatic loss. I won last week. As the champion, I will pick last.
0: Oh, my God. Nathan
1: Powell picks first. Be strategic. You want to take the best players first so that we can't pick them later. Who is your number one breakout candidate? Nathan Powell.
2: My number one breakout candidate has started offseason workouts with an injury, and that is Corey Coleman. Uh, Corey Coleman is expected to be out for a majority of the offseason workouts with a couple of injuries, but I do expect him to be healthy by the beginning of the season, and he is my breakout candidate number one. Uh, he is the number one wide receiver in that Browns offense. Sure, they brought in Kenny Britt, but I.
1: I mean, sure, they brought in Kenny Britt. Sure, they brought in Kenny That's Britt. That's a big deal they brought in Kenny Britt. It's not, oh, yeah, he's the number one wide receiver, obviously. It's not obvious. It's a debate. Okay, it's a
2: debate, but I think that Corey Coleman wins out in this debate because he's younger and better and the better deep threat uh, in that offense. And I mean, we talked about this a lot last year with the Browns, how they're going to throw a lot. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL, so – Even if he is the number two target.
1: Easy. Easy. We like the Browns on this show. Easy.
2: I I, I love them. I love the Browns. They're going to be passing the ball a lot, whether it's with Cody Kessler or Deshaun Kaiser. Either of those guys are going to be hooking up with Corey Coleman a lot. Corey Coleman was uh, 26 in target rate, uh, 22.6% last year, uh, according to Player Profiler. So. I love Corey Coleman a lot as a prospect. I think that he showed flashes in his rookie year, but he was hurt for most of it. So it was really tough for him to truly break out. So he will break out in year two.
1: Top 15 pick last year, and he finished top 30 in target share, as you mentioned. So that's an easy cheat code for this game. Pick a player who was in the top 30 target share last year, but didn't finish in the top 30 fantasy points per game. Ding, ding, ding,
0: ding, ding, ding. That's easy. Nate Liss, you're up. All right, this one uh, seems like the obvious one. I'm surprised that he wasn't taken first. Uh, To my knowledge, he has not finished in a top 24 in any season yet. It's top 30. That's fine. I don't know if he's finished in the top 30 either. Well, that's important. That is. That's fine. Tethered to one of the past happiest quarterbacks in the league, somebody that tons of people believe in. I'm going to take Dante Moncrief with my pick here. Um... I think people have been predicting the Dante Moncrief breakout for like a thousand years now. i don't I don't know when it's supposed to happen. But if you look at last year, in the nine games that he played, he had seven touchdowns. I mean, the guy is a touchdown machine. I feel like every week when we watch him, he's he's a catch for twenty or two catches for forty away from putting up, you know, high end wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one numbers. He's still young. 23 years old, not 24 yet. I realize they brought in Kamar Aiken. He is a relative threat in that offense. Philip Dorsett has done nothing. T.Y. Hilton's role is solidified. But Dante Moncrief has never really shown a reason why he shouldn't be right there with T.Y. Hilton as the 1B to the 1A. And I believe that next year, a healthy Dante Moncrief with a fair target share will validate that and have his final or first breakout season.
1: I think the argument against Dante Moncrief is that he's been propped up by touchdowns. That the 24.4% red zone target share, top 15 in the NFL, is what sustained him. Because without those touchdowns, he finishes outside the top 50 in fantasy points per game in his third year in the league with the Colts? That's an indictment, Nate. I'm not so sure. You don't pick wide receivers to break out because they experience an inordinately high red zone target share of the year before touchdown regression is a real thing it's a thing you want to fade you don't want to buy previous year touchdowns you want to fade previous year touchdowns because it's a very random distribution of touchdowns year to year stay away from that analysis Nate Liss but I agree of course I would want Dante Moncrief as a potential breakout guy damn it Ah, uh, I need to be strategic here. There's a couple players I like more than some other players, but I believe I'll be able to get the players I like the most later in this game because I don't give either Nathan Powell or Nate List credit for knowing who the best breakout candidates actually are. Thanks, Matt. So I'm going to go chalk just like Nathan Powell went chalk, just like Nate List went chalk. I'm going chalk Devontae Parker. So it's a podcast, guys. This is dead air. You yeah, that's go ahead when you ex- and comment expi- on that.
0: No, you explain your pick first. <laughs> I, know, I thought that that's what we were doing. I saw Nathan do it, so I did it. You figured third banana, bro.
1: And actually, that's fair because if anyone would have something to say about a pick of his, it would be me. Every time on every show, going back through time, the idea that I would just put a name out there and deadpan would be the most surprising thing that anyone's ever heard on a show. So absolutely, guys, I understand why you didn't speak there. That made perfect sense. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I actually do know what I was doing. In that case, I actually had not pulled up the Devonte Barker player page on player profile. I was still looking at Dante Moncrief's workout metrics, and I was just mesmerized by them. I was like, wow, look at those workout metrics. Wow, he's so athletic. Wow, how is he not good? Wow. (laughs) And then I forgot to pull up Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker's workout metrics are equally as good. I mean, he looks like A.J. Green. He came out of Louisville looking like an A.J. Green clone, 109.5, 89th percentile height-adjusted speed score, with just an incredible dominator rating and yards per reception. I mean, a guy that's 6'3", 210, posting a yards per reception of 20 it's incredible he checked every box coming out of louisville we're talking about 90th percentile 90th percentile 90th percentile 90th percentile across the board in workout metrics college dominator yards per reception even his breakout age 19.6 was in the 74th percentile i feel like Devonte parker has been trapped on a low volume offense And I don't necessarily think that's going to change because Adam Gase knows that the way to win in Miami is to limit the exposure that you give to Ryan Tannehill. But I also don't believe Jarvis Landry is the answer. Jarvis Landry should never be the number one option in any passing game because he simply does not offer the bang for the buck on a per-target basis that a player like Devontae Parker offers. And Devontae Parker came into the league as a physical specimen that never had to work for anything in his career. Everything just came naturally to him. He was eating junk food. He wasn't working out in the offseason. He had terrible work habits. This was the consensus among beat reporters covering the Miami Dolphins. And it's interesting that you hear that narrative has changed, that in his third year, Devontae Parker has started to develop the habits that professional wide receivers like Jarvis Landry have also developed and that just makes sense That's part of the learning curve, learning how to be a professional. That's why so many receivers take a couple years to break out. So I'm looking forward to Devontae Parker breaking out, not because the Miami Dolphins offense suddenly becomes this prolific machine, but because he actually usurps Jarvis Landry on that target totem pole and becomes a more productive wide receiver. I hope to God that happens because I can't take another year of Jarvis Landry two-yard slants. I just can't take it.
2: Ryan Tannehill is still the Dolphins quarterback, so I, I expect to see a continuation of the two-yard slants to Jarvis Landry. It, it's one of those things that uh, I lament all the time about. No matter how much we want the targets to go a certain way in an offense...
1: We want it so bad, man. It's fantasy wanting. I really want it, Nathan. I want it. You can want it all you want, but I think uh, that
2: Jarvis Landry leaves that team in targets pretty much in, unless he gets injured. Uh, so... I think the Parker has a chance at outscoring him with receiving yards and touchdowns, but I think that he, uh, Landry still leads the team in targets. There's also the consideration of they did re-sign uh, uh, Kenny Stills. So that does, you know, limit his upside mm-hmm. as like, the, the deep threat in that offense. So uh, uh, playing devil's advocate. I, I think that there are a number of ways that Parker doesn't break out with a mediocre offense with lots of weapons to distribute. So uh, that, that's my
1: take on Parker. I have to fall back on his college profile. He's one of the more impressive prospects we've seen in the last five years, and I'm going to fall back on that because this game is actually harder than it seems to play. Nathan, you're up. I warned you pre-show. This game's not easy, man. Oh, no, I'm going to win the game right here.
0: going to win the game right here. Before this takes place, is it fair to do it this way, or or should it be like a snake-style draft? Should you get two in a row? I'm awesome at this game,
1: as I am at every game, and I'm also awesome at fantasy football analysis. I have no problem being the cleanup hitter in this game and giving Nathan every opportunity to snipe every pick from us. He's going to go too young, Nate. That's going to be the secret to our success. (laughs) We're going to go old at just the right moment and fuck Nathan Powell. Well, well, Matt Kelly, I'd like to tell you
2: that you are incorrect. My pick is Robert Woods. No! No!
1: No! No! That was the guy I was thinking of earlier. I intentionally didn't say Robert Woods, thinking there was no way in hell Nathan Powell, of all people, what select Robert Woods? This sucks, man. This this is terrible. Damn
2: it. Robert Woods is going off the board at wide receiver sixty-five and MFL tens right now. He, he's one of the best values at the wide receiver position. He's the number one wide receiver in his offense uh, with the Rams. Although it may be one of the more run-heavy offenses, I'll still take the number one option in in that offense and. We talk about draft capital a lot and what that means for for targets and carries and things of that nature but another thing that's important is when a guy signs a big contract he signed a five-year 34 million dollar contract with the rams they don't sign that guy to make that contract if they're going to give him 60 targets he's going to get 100 plus targets and and be you know a solid wire receiver three wire receiver four could break out into
0: being that wire receiver 25 all right man i might be the one that goes a little bit crazy here i you know i'm a little deflated with the robert woods pick not because i was going to take him i don't you were gonna Robert Woods, too? No, 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 no. no. I don't want to confuse anybody out there. I I think that he's going to get the target share, but I'm just not sure he's the type of receiver that's going to do... I mean, he might break out in terms of something greater than what Robert Woods has ever done, but there are some guys left on this list that could break out much more significantly, and I'm going to use one right here. Robert Woods is the only sure thing that any of us have listed. Go ahead. Okay, well, I don't think this is a sure thing, but it's a sexy pick. So, with my second pick, I'm going to select Martavis Bryant of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can't say Martavis Bryant. You're violating the
1: game. Yeah, like a fire uh, your 15 PPR season. What are you talking about? He was top 20 in 2015. What? Yes. Points per game. It's points per game, bro. Points per game. All right. We set up those rules pre-show and then i reiterated them before the game started you're not listening to the show you lose your pick i get to pick now no, no 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 it's you whoa, gotta whoa, whoa, listen whoa. to the show it wasn't you can't show no, no, no. no 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 no. no. my pick is tyler lockett get out of here you're picking after me it's tyler lockett number two receiver tethered to russell wilson as a rookie he was one of the more productive rookies in his class a class that featured brashad perryman and nelson Aguilar.
0: Better keep this dead air in there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love Tyler Lockett coming out of Kansas State. Incredible dominator rating, tremendous athleticism, perfect fit for what Russell Wilson likes to do. And then he got hurt. But he hurt his ankle. I understand it's reconstructive surgery, but bones heal. Ligaments heal. Tyler Lockett's going to be back. And his incredible athleticism, 113.7, 75th percentile Spark X score, combined with that 44.2% dominator rating, 88th percentile. Put those things together. He's a phenomenal player, and he projects to be a starter in that offense as they move on from Jermaine Kearse in Seattle. You know I love Russell Wilson, he is going to rebound and have a career year this year. And one of the primary beneficiaries of a Russell Wilson renaissance is Tyler Lockett. That's a funny way of
2: pronouncing Paul Richardson.
1: (laughs) If you pick Paul Richardson with your next pick, I'm going to reach through my computer and tickle you. Because that would make me very upset. Oh, by the way, Nate Liss is up. Go ahead, Nate, and try to follow the rules.
0: Well, since they were talked about pre-show and not technically on the show, um, I guess with my next pick, since we're running out of people that I truly believe are actually going to break out. And by the way, you can't pick Martavis Bryant. I will not pick Martavis Bryant.
1: (laughs) And no, Amari Cooper does not qualify. And you can't pick Antonio Brown either. And I know you have Odell Beckham Jr. queued up, but
0: sadly, he already broke out. Okay, are you ready for this pick? You're going to go Mike Evans here? No, I'm going to go ahead and take Josh Doxon, even though uh, this is the same conversation that we had earlier. It's a player that had good draft capital, has the athleticism, came into the league a little bit older, which isn't a data point that necessarily works in his favor, but he's tethered to a quarterback that's one of the best passers in the league. You look back at his college profile, because that's really the only thing we can examine, About Josh Doxson. He had a great senior year at TCU, 78 catches, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns. So you put the big playability, you put the multiple seasons in college of 1,000-yard seasons along with the athleticism in this offense and a team that finally wants to see him on the field, and this could be a solid year for him. I love players in that
1: Washington offense. They don't run the ball well, but they pass the ball well. And Kirk Cousins is one of the best deep ball passers in the league. That may have been because Deshaun Jackson is the best field stretcher in the league, the most efficient wide receiver in the NFL the last five years. That could have been what was propelling Kirk Cousins' deep ball efficiency. We're going to find out this year, but Josh Doxson's in good hands in Washington. Nathan Powell, you're up, and please don't hurt me.
2: Let's go with Mr. Will Fuller, numbers two wide receiver for the uh, Houston Texans. They added Deshaun Watson <laughs> at quarterback in the draft. That's a win for Nate Liss and I right there. Okay, because I'm throwing away a pick here with with Will Fuller, who had a 99th percentile 40 yard dash, four three two, best comparable Mike Wallace. This is the equivalent of Nathan Powell punting in his own territory. <laughs> oh, it, it, it is not. It is not. It's an offense that doesn't have anything <laughs> behind. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. (coughs) Shit.
0: That was awful. This is just target practice for Matt right now. He's just picking you off from the outside. Nate's voice sounds like he
1: ate 10 cigarettes before the show. (laughs) And Nathan Powell is coughing up amphibians during the show. I may be coughing up amphibians like
2: Will Fuller coughs up, passes.
1: (laughs) that was a terrible joke. (laughs) I think we can move on. We get it. Will Fuller, first round pick. He's starting wide receiver on what could be an ascending offense with Deshaun Watson, even though Deshaun Watson can't throw the ball downfield, can't throw the ball outside, really looks like a CFL quarterback, not an NFL quarterback. But assuming that he beats all the odds and becomes an average starting quarterback, Will Fuller, will get a significant target share, and he has big playability. So I understand that pick. Go ahead, Nate. You're up. Oh, man, I'm so devoid of anybody
0: that I really believe in here. and Devoid of players you can pronounce. Because if I pick anybody, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get shot down here. Okay, I guess I'm just going to go with this one because I seriously don't believe in anybody beyond this point. I'm going to go ahead and go with Devin Funchess, wide receiver, Carolina Panthers. Um, still a young player, 23 years old. Workout metrics, not bad, comparable to Brandon Marshall. Um, this is one of the guys coming out of Michigan that we talked about a lot. His production, it wasn't large production like you would prefer from guys like Josh Doxson that came out of college a little bit later. I just wish that Devin Funches had more of that college production so the draft capital would have been driven up. But the deal with Devin Funches is that he's unfortunately tied to Cam Newton, who I don't know is going to ever make a wide receiver relevant. I think that Greg Olson and then the draft of Christian McCaffrey is going to kind of nuke anything on the outside. And then who knows what Curtis Samuel becomes. Why are you arguing against your own pick? Because <laughs> I don't believe in anything
1: at this point. Nathan Powell and I both like Devin Funches. You're running scared. We like Devin Funches. This is a safe place for Devin Funches enthusiasts. There's nothing to say about Devin Funches. Just say good things about Devin Funches and move on. He he did. He said he was 23. That's where it pretty much just stopped. (laughs) I think that is. He's young and he's big. And that depth chart is devoid of efficient wide receiver play. Why not Devin Funches? Because they just added a running back that's one of the most prolific pass catchers to come out of college. You do this all the time. It is so maddening to me. When we're talking about the passing game, you bring up the running backs. And you bring up the wide receivers when we're trying to talk about the running game. And it just doesn't make sense. I don't know why you could always do this. You default to this weird mechanism. I think you're referring to the times... Don't talk about Christian McCaffrey in a conversation about Devin Funches. Wait a minute. I can't bring up... Just talk about the qualities that Devin Funches brings to the table, how he's actually a better player than Kelvin Benjamin. That will resonate,
0: because both Nathan Powell and I agree with that analysis. I don't think we have to debate at all that he's a better player on this team than Kelvin Benjamin. I love the Devin
1: Funches pick. I hate the analysis. My turn. Have we not said Brashad Perriman yet? I mean, I've been keeping score here. No one's said Brashad Perriman. Can I just pick Brashad Perriman? Because the only other wide receiver in that offense is... Mike Wallace. And Mike Wallace is notoriously inefficient. And Prashad Perriman's comps include Julio Jones. Am I allowed to do this? I don't know, man. I think that Tim guy is going to steal targets. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Tim Patrick is also on that wide receiver depth chart. So if Prashad Perriman can somehow, some way box out Tim Patrick during training camp, and outperform him during preseason i think Prashad perriman has a chance to be a wr1 in fantasy that's his ceiling we can all agree that Prashad perriman's ceiling is really high He's an exciting player. It's just that his floor is very low. His floor is never fantasy viable. His floor is Kevin White. That's his best comparable player on playerprofiler.com. I love it. It's the widest disparity you're going to find for a player's comps, where you have Julio Jones on one side, you have Kevin White in the other, and he's somewhere in between. And with my third breakout selection, I'll take that guy that's somewhere in between when his competition for targets is Mike Wallace and Chris Moore. And that concludes the third round of our draft. We have two rounds to go. I can't believe this is taking so long. (laughs) Such an arduous game that we've created. If anyone is still listening, it's Nathan Powell's turn, drafting his fourth breakout wide receiver, scraping the very bottom of the bottom of the barrel. Go ahead, Nathan Powell.
2: Yeah, this is miserable, but I'm going to go with another speedster with J.J. Nelson of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Chad Williams has quickly become become like the talk of the town from fantasy Twitter. I'm not quite buying it just yet. I'm, I'll, I'll I'll give the nod to J.J. Nelson on that depth chart. The, Larry Fitzgerald and really nothing else. Michael Floyd is out of town. He's in Minnesota. So uh, Nelson, he's a guy who's made big plays uh, in his career. He's never really had consistent targets. But I think that he has the opportunity
1: to do that with the lack of competition on that depth chart. I was going to say J.J. Nelson, because all that needs to happen for J.J. Nelson to be a top 20 wide receiver this season is for something to happen to John Brown's hamstrings. That's all it takes. If John Brown misses games, it's wheels up in a big, big way for J.J. Nelson as a go-to receiver for Carson Palmer. That's exciting. Go ahead, Nate Liss.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, I guess I'm... Thank God this round's almost over. I've got a player that I'm surprised we haven't said who is a legitimate breakout candidate. Legit breakout candidate. Nobody has said this yet. Do tell. This is exciting. I'm excited. You've really built the suspense here. I am going to go with my pick, Quincy Inunua. Nobody else has taken this guy. He is. He had a great year oh, last year. That is a good pick. That's a hell of a... I can't believe... Nathan?
1: No, he was on my list. I missed. I missed. Nathan, 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 Nathan. We should be ashamed of ourselves. How did we miss Quincy Nuno? I'm being completely sincere here. I blew it. Not thinking about Quincy and Nunwa. I just fucked up. I fucked up. Nathan fucked up
0: too. We fucked up. Good pick, Nate. List. It's a great pick. Thanks, man. I gotta redeem myself every once in a while. The Devin Funchess backpedal, throwing punches into the darkness. How do you
1: say this wide receiver's name again?
0: Quincy and Nunwa. I'll
1: stand. I'll stand with Nate on the
2: pronunciation on that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I was just testing him. I was just making sure. I mean, I think skepticism was in order with a name like a nunwa and I think Nate did a fine job. I go a nunwa instead of a nunwa, but I think it's that's
0: not a big enough difference to get upset about. Okay. Um Uh, Yeah, I don't know how much more analysis you want on Anunua, but looking back to last year, he ranked number 18 in yards after the catch with 365. This is a team that's going to go through changes at the quarterback position, and this isn't so much a dynasty value uh, player selection for me as it is more of a 2017 breakout selection. I think that the target share will be there for him. Even last year, 105 targets, that was number 34 in the NFL. Uh, Quincy Anunua is a pretty sure-handed wide receiver, so I don't see why he He can't post more than the 58 receptions that he had in 2016. Oh, he will post more than that this
1: year. And can we stop calling him an inside wide receiver or even worse, an H-back? That's not Quincy Inunua. He's not a close to the line of scrimmage slot receiver slash H-back. Whoever started that rumor needs to stop talking about football. This guy runs a 4-4-5. A 116.3, 96th percentile height-adjusted speed score at 6'2", 225. He's absolutely an outside receiver. In fact, he looks like the prototypical X receiver. I think Benunua and Decker is a potent wide receiver duo for the Jets if they can find a quarterback. And I think they have found a quarterback. The report out of training camp is that Josh McCown looks great. And what we know about Josh McCown is when he's back there, his wide receivers score fantasy points. That's the rule with Josh McCown. Play daily fantasy. Whenever Josh McCown was the quarterback, you were buying the wide receivers in whatever passing game he was in. So as long as Josh McCown is healthy, you love Quincy Anunua this year. My pick. And this is going to shock you. I'm shocked. Um, I myself am shocked. I can't believe I'm about to say this. I know what you're going to say. After all of the stress and all the tension that our analysis of this player caused last year, such a tumultuous string of shows that we put together, where we were criticizing this player on every show, and the backlash was just so intense. It was such a firestorm of vitriol. What the hell are we talking about? take that back you guys are just haters this guy is the best route runner in the rookie class he's gonna be paired with eli manning he's gonna be the 1b to odell beckham's 1a you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about calling sterling shepherd just a slot receiver so what if he was a relatively old prospect that just means that he's more polished and ready to contribute on day one. And that's exactly what Sterling Shepard did last season. He came in and he contributed on day one for the New York Giants and finished as a top 50 fantasy wide receiver. Now he's going into year two. He's had an extra year of development. He's built rapport with Eli Manning. And while Odell Beckham Jr. is skipping workouts to date reality stars and date pop stars, Sterling Shepard is putting the work in. Sterling Shepard's spending time with coaches. He's watching film. He's working out with Eli Manning. That's going to pay off. And what happened to Brandon Marshall last year? Brandon Marshall scored ten fantasy points a game. It looked like a shell of his former self. Are we sure that old Brandon Marshall is going to be back this year? Or could this be a could or could he be Andre Johnson, Roddy White, a guy that can't recapture his prime years once he reaches age thirty three? on the New York Giants, pass-first offense. I love Sterling Shepard. I can't believe I'm saying this. I just can't believe that we've reached a point where we're at the end of the fourth round of this useless breakout player draft on the sonic truth podcast a year later in 2017 and still no one's thinking about sterling shepherd as a breakout option and now i'm the one that's stepping into the breach saying i like sterling shepherd i just can't believe this has happened talk about a player who lost value in a year oh my god And he was supposed to be the sure thing of the draft last year, of all the rookie players. Other than Ezekiel Elliott, Sterling Shepard was supposed to be the sure thing. And from what I'm seeing, based on the players you guys are selecting, apparently not. Apparently not. Now I'm the guy drafting Sterling Shepard. I just can't believe how times have changed.
2: I agree that Sterling Shepard has a higher dynasty value than most of the guys that we've taken in the last few picks. But this isn't the who has the best dynasty value show. This is the... Who is going to break out in 2017? Show, and uh, you, you talked you t- you talked with Nate about buying last year's touchdowns. And if you're buying Sterling Shepard right now, you're buying his eight touchdowns that he scored last year. Um, you know those like 25, 28 percent of his points. And it with with Sterling Shepard, you have Brandon Marshall in front of him. And I'm perfectly fine with buying Sterling Shepard in Dynasty because I think that people are overreacting to the signing of Brandon Marshall. But like it or not, he's not going to be a top 30 wide receiver because he's going to be third on that totem pole uh, in targets. And the Eli Manning is not very good anymore. So I don't see him supporting three fantasy weapons.
1: I think I've been checkmated. Wow, I am toppling my king right now. I don't have a response. That was perfect.
0: Please, God, make your pick. This game cannot drag out any longer. Well,
1: I thought that was really good by Nathan Powell. I great. mean, that was some of the best analysis we've ever heard on the Sonic Truth podcast. I was owned with my misguided Sterling Shepard pick.
2: Well, I'm sure I'm about to be owned for my misguided Laquan Treadwell pick because he is my pick.
1: Oh, you can't be serious. You can't do this to me. No. Yes, I I, I have to do this. Oh, this is just you giving me the middle finger. This is just an insult. This is You're insulting our show right now. I'm not insulting
2: our show. I'm talking about a wide receiver who was a first-round pick in the NFL draft, had a 19.2 breakout
1: age, 85th percentile. We're cutting him off. Mute him. Mute his microphone. <laughs> Nate, Nate List, go ahead.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I want to say anything because if you didn't like his, you're not going to like mine. I think at this point— Unless you say Kevin White, I'll be fine with it. You want to just mute my mic then? Here's the thing. Are you going to say Kevin White? Yeah, I'm going to pick Kevin White. <laughs> of course I'm going to pick Kevin White. Get the fuck out of here. No, you can't do this. What the What's wrong with you guys? Are you masochists? Do you have no respect for this show? What are you expecting at this point? Look, Kevin White has the metric. No, you're not seriously doing this. You're not You don't seriously have a Kevin White take. Here, here's why I'm going to. This is not ironic. You're being serious. Yeah, I'm being serious. In the fifth round, okay. I guess I could have gone with Cody Latimer. That was my next option. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> All right, still waiting on that breakout.
1: Oh my God, I'm gonna win this game by default because you two were simply
0: incompetent in the final round. Take whoever. I don't. I, Kevin White has the extreme draft capital. He had the final year of college production. He's a good athlete. It's a team that we've talked about it before. They're going to want to get him going this year. They want to see what they have. The only person in front of him. This is a real take you have. I still can't believe this isn't sarcastic. This is
1: actually a real take that you're giving on Kevin White. It's semi-sarcastic. I mean, I can't fully. Nothing about what you're saying is sarcastic. What you're saying, you're just giving clinical football analysis.
0: Kevin White, man, I think a lot of people are down on him because of the injuries. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair we talk about the discount with the injuries but we haven't seen him on the field yet to produce you look at what he did his senior year i
1: am about to win the game with one of my top players but one i knew i didn't have to select until round four because you all are biased I know Nate List doesn't like small slot receivers, and I know Nathan Powell doesn't like receivers that went undrafted. So I knew I could wait until round five and come over the top of both of you schmucks with this hammer. His name's Cole Beasley. We've talked about Cole Beasley on this show before. 75 receptions last year was number 22 in the NFL. There's nothing not to like about Cole Beasley. Starting receiver, Dallas Cowboys, efficient offense, target shares going up. Top 15 yards after the catch last year. The only reason that he didn't score more fantasy points is because he didn't score many touchdowns. I think there'll be a a mild touchdown regression. I think that he's going to command a bigger target share. I think the Dallas Cowboys will pass a little bit more than they did last year in Dak Prescott's second season. And I think that Cole Beasley's potential as Julian Edelman South will be unlocked this year. Cole Beasley is my breakout player. did this game that was just completely terrible and the show's actually going to end up being really good i was like wow look at those workout metrics wow he's so athletic wow how is he not good 9 10 11 12 because our fantasy teams win every year well unless you're nathan powell and you're chasing youth perpetually and always finishing in last place and if you pick muhammad sanu in any game doesn't matter what the category is if you pick muhammad sanu it's an automatic loss Having you two guys on is like when my wife met my girlfriend.
2: Which one of us is better in (laughs)
1: bed? Well, Nate's got a better microphone right now. Did you happen to catch any of our shows in the last couple months, Nathan? It's for me just to stand on the top of the house and, you know, Nate's just passing me clips.
0: He messed up because he stepped into us right when we were hitting our stride. That was bad timing to uh, start a beef two weeks after the rap stuff came out.
1: Do you remember the movie War Horse when the British, they suddenly realized that their war tactics are all wrong on the battlefield? When they're charging the Germans with horses and they don't realize the Germans have machine guns and they don't have machine guns? And so they're charging like they used to charge in the 1800s and then the Germans have machine guns and just mows them all down, including all their horses. And they're like, oh wait, we have to totally change tactics here. So basically, Jeff was riding in on a horse and he didn't know he had machine guns.
2: Oh, well, well, Matt Kelly, I'd like to tell you that you are incorrect. My pick is Robert Woods.
1: No! No! <laughs> no! That was the guy I was thinking of
0: earlier! Not to make an excuse, like I'm gonna lose my voice mid-show here and pretty much, oh God, stop it. And I'm gonna try and mute this thing. Because I know you don't you don't like the the coughs and the sniffles on any of the podcasts.
1: This is the black box. Or oh, no, well, he is black, but I mean, um, 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 you don't know what's in the box. I was impressed with myself that I came up with that. Let's make a deal analogy. I thought that was really good.
2: Aguilar's already a song
1: rookie picks have great value, especially leading up to the draft. And I think rookies have great value because I think they hold their value. I think people still are hopeful of players that didn't perform last year. Look at Josh Doxson.
2: Yeah, you're not buying Evan Ingram in week six cheap.
0: Exactly. Ding, 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 ding. That's easy. But that's a factor too, the fact that he hasn't done so poorly that he's hurt his value. Where Aguilar's been on the field and not done well, Perryman hasn't really been on the field. Same thing with Kevin White. Of course I would want Dante Moncrief as a potential
1: breakout guy. Damn it! (laughs) Is there anyone in the fantasy football community that knows Nathan's better than I do? I say no. That's a great line of demarcation. Will be Adam Thielen, top thirty. Can't have a top thirty points per game season. If I owned either Laquan Treadwell or Kevin White, hell if I'm trading them. I'm riding this fucker out. Actually, the, my list is terrible too. Now that I think about it. I have guys that I had pegged as breakouts pre-draft, and then the draft destroyed them. <laughs>
0: Malcolm Mitchell.
1: Oh, no. Private Powell.
0: Private Powell and Nate Rabbit. He's got PTSD from the Private Powell stuff. I'm going to lay off. I'll never forget the time you
2: spent 15 minutes of airtime talking about maggots and uh, your, your wife's trash. The
1: memory of that experience will never leave me. <laughs> I'm also sicking. lit. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! That tell. was
2: um, oh, what was that? That was we had. We
1: had <laughs> that was like um. That was this recording. Be the blue nice. game episode. I love it. That's going in the outtakes. So let's get started. Let's go to a buzzard email. Do you have a buzzard email, Nate? Uh I. You don't have a buzzard
0: email written in here, Matt.
1: Oh yeah, sorry. We didn't. I guess we we skipped over that pre-show. Uh wow. Okay. So this is really bad error here um so yeah someone's gonna ask uh, who is tim patrick who's this tim patrick guy you're in a league with 11 marks no one wants my late first round pick i mean i'm sabotaging myself with such a popular podcast
0: that might be interesting they could go from sam bradford to sam darnold rashad perryman nelson aguilar rashad perryman nelson aguilar Rashad Perryman, Nelson Aguilar. You know what? Why don't you guys just do a podcast together again, all right? Do a fucking spelling bee podcast. The point is, he killed himself by underperforming on the field. He killed himself? A
1: class that featured Rashad Perryman and Nelson Aguilar. That's a big deal they brought in Kenny Britt. It's not, oh, yeah, he's the number one wide receiver, obviously. It's not obvious. One of the primary beneficiaries of a Russell Wilson renaissance is Tyler Lockett. That's a funny way of pronouncing Paul Richardson. If you pick Paul Richardson with your next pick, (laughs) I'm going to reach through my computer and tickle you. (laughs) This is the equivalent of Nathan Powell punting in his own territory.
0: Wait a minute, you said... Cole Beasley wasn't an option before the game started. You said... Nathan. did he not say... No, I, I think he, his, I think the correct
1: quote was, I don't
2: want guys like Cole Beasley to be
1: an option. No, it was Adam Thielen. You guys are confusing the white receivers. The guy we talked about pre-show was Adam Thielen. By the way, I could have taken Adam Thielen at one point, too. I should have instead of Sterling Shepard. I tried to get cute with that Sterling Shepard pick. I should have gotten Adam Thielen. This is just you giving me the middle finger. This is just an insult. This is, you're insulting our show right now. Nate's voice sounds like he ate ten cigarettes before the show. <laughs> and Nathan Powell is coughing up amphibians during the show! You're still second guessing
0: your picks ten
1: minutes later? No, I, sh- I
0: should have taken
1: him. That was a huge mistake. You had everything riding on that, Nate. The stakes were high. You fucked up. And you can't get that back.
0: Of course I'm going to pick Kevin White. Get the fuck out of here. No, you can't do this. Rashad Perryman. Nelson Aguilar.